Want to learn how to put together a podcast? Well, you're in luck. As someone who has done over 1,000 episodes of the podcast, have won awards, and have also done shows for companies and clients, I am more than happy to teach you how it is to create a podcast. In my course, you will learn the following skills. How to put together a show. What does that actually entail, whether it's audio or video? How to interview guests, how to why you would actually get guests, if that is the, whether you do them or not regularly on the show, whether or not you how to market your show, whether you're trying to make money, or even how to do some extra fun things that you never would imagine doing in a podcast. This is my course, this is how it's done, and I'm here to show you. So there for the month of December, you will get 25% off. If you register for the course, it launches for December, the week of Christmas. So definitely click on the link in the description below if you want to register. A little trick here before when we get started. Sure thing. Give me a second here. Perfect. Just did it. All right. No, what, ha what happens is see Zoom and, and I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happens is Zoom has this tendency to like, you know, be an, him and, the, hit and Twitch are like evil brothers. Kind of like you and Alex, you pick oh. on each other. Yeah. Right, you pick on each other and you do evil things to each other just to, just to you know, just to, just for the sake of uh, being evil. And just, then, to make, and, just to make life interesting. That's right, that's right. I am so choked up that that interview with Alex got eaten. So, so choked up. We talked about you a lot. Yeah, that's so annoying. Uh, yeah, no, I lost three interviews. Yeah, I figured as much. Yeah, yeah, no, we did. We, we actually this very comic book we talked about this right because see Alex. Yeah. Al Al yeah. Alex said this was his greatest victory ever. <laughs> One of his great victories. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I I can see, and I think I know why it's technically his greatest victory is because. I'm finally succumbing to one of his ridiculously stupid ideas. That's right. Yeah, so, that, that was the whole thing. Yes. Like, like we spent yep. about 10 minutes talking about this particular idea. And the fact of the matter yeah. is, because because here's the thing, like like me and Alex, I, we were talking about Alex here a little bit, folks, because this is an interview I wish I still had. It would have already have aired yeah. if it had, because it, it was one of my favorite, legitimately speaking, one of my favorite conversations the whole weekend, though I was the whole weekend yeah. I was there. Good dude. Right, but me and him yeah. have the same sense of humor, which kind of definitely right. doesn't doesn't hurt. But um, yeah, makes but, for interesting conversations. Yeah, no, he's actually a really deep dude. It's just yeah, very smart. Ten, for about ten minutes, we were talking about this particular comic and how his story was. This mm -hmm. was my idea, and you were like, "No, never in a million years." And now here you are mm -hmm. writing the comic. Well, to to be fair, to, to be fair on on my end, this is not exactly the way he wanted the character and the project to go, but it has the essence of. So so he is one on a distilled level, but not on a base level. Yeah. No, and I will so, I will so, hold to that. Oh, oh okay, okay. <laughs> one, 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 one second here. I just got to do one. I'm, I'm doing one thing here, just making sure I make it work. Okay, perfect. Make sure I'm just we're making everywhere. sure that anyone that decides to interact with this conversation can. Oh, geez, here it goes. That's what I was worried about right there. Boom, there it uh -oh. is. The mute button. It's a weird friend. Like I said, Twitch and, and Zoom don't like each other exactly, right? They like each other more now than they used to, but they like, you right. know. But anyway, no. 
Well, you got, like in all fairness, okay, this is in all fairness to you. You gotta do it your way. If you're gonna do right. an idea of his, you have to do it your way. You can't do it entirely his way. Although I would have lo- like based on what he's told me, I would have loved to have been the fly in that way even to hear that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well it's it's very funny because over the twenty years that we've had committed comics going, there's been pl- so many times where he's come up with a concept or an idea or plan and I've sat there and poo-pooed it or shot it down and pretty much said like that's not gonna work or someone's already done it to this level, you know, and and this and then we go back and forth and you know that's what a good business relationship is. You know, you go back and forth and you try to find the middle ground that all the nuts and bolts that are gonna work. And this was one of those things that I didn't want to write my own comic because I didn't think I had the time or the the stamina for lack of a better term you know i mean i've now learned that you know writing a comic takes a lot of work and i mean i always knew that but you know now that i've actually done it and i've written and i'm planning on this being a four issue miniseries and i've already got two issues done and it's it's an uphill battle (laughs) no it, it totally no it i i i gotta say like like the initial idea in the script form is easy-ish we're gonna say easy-ish right yeah Mm -hmm. uh it but the reality of the situation is like depending on who your art like who your collaborator is right Mm -hmm. the story like comics are are this weird like like i would say like i've equated it to a band because it's actually i think it's a very apt thing because there's a lot of voices that indicate like make the final product a good comic Mm -hmm. There's a lot of voices involved that make a final right. product work well. Um, even if someone's doing it by themselves, which is a very special kind of unicorn in this industry, ladies and gentlemen, it really, really is. But right, but even they have outside people going, okay, how have you thought about this? How have you thought about that? Have you thought about this? Because they, again, again, it's just, and, and then on top of that, sometimes as you tell the story, it doesn't come out quite like you imagined it would. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, and, and that's one of those things that I've heard a lot of as an editor and as, as somebody who's done art direction for people. I've heard it from a lot of people that they're like, oh, yeah, the story, the story started here, but then it told me it wanted to go over here. Yes. And I've always heard that. and I always understood it to some degree and I always respected it. But then when I was writing this story, I had my outline broken down. I had the beats I wanted to hit. And then as I'm writing out the dialogue and as i'm breaking down the panels and that kind of stuff i'm like oh no this won't work here this has to work over here and that's you know the story telling me that no it, it needs to go in a different direction and that you know was was not quite a hard lesson to learn but it was a lesson to learn well like i said you just it's it also kind of depends on where you you're at your how do i put this your personal growth development yeah. here like I think when you're when you're younger and older and wiser and st- and stuff like that, or younger and more ambitious, we'll just say younger and more ambitious. You're you're trying to make it more perfect. When you get older slash wiser, you realize you know it does. I can have a few lumps in the crepe. It's okay. Well, and, and, and you know, I, I also think as you get older, you understand more of the collaboration elements, right? Yeah. So it's like I don't. <clears throat> I've definitely seen it from a lot of seasoned professionals and stuff that, you know, they start collaborating and the writer writes out panel by panel, breakdown by breakdown. And then by the time the miniseries is halfway into it or this, you know, the the story arc they're working on is halfway into it. 
the writer starts to just get more generalized because they understand that their creative team knows where they are knows that you know and can fill in the blanks um a little bit more so whereas i think when you're younger and a little bit more ambitious you're just like no 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 like you said the the perfect concept you're like no i definitely want to look like this and i definitely want to look like this and i definitely want to look like this and that doesn't always serve the story in the best way i I, I, like I said, as I've gotten older slash wiser, I'm gonna put a question mark on wiser. You know me, like you kind of know yeah. me. It's like I, I don't know, wise is the right word to describe me, right? Yeah. But, but what I would say is, what I've learned is that perfection is the enemy of art. It, yes. right? It really, really is. And yeah, I don't worry about it. Like the podcast taught me this more than anything else. I could have this master plan of what we want to talk about, mm-hmm. but you might not give a shit one way or the other about it right or or you might ask a question that you're you're hoping or expecting a lengthy response to that has depth to it that the person goes yeah no that we totally did that yeah exactly and you're like is there anything more to that like we have 25 more minutes <laughs> oh no then, you I, know. I i i had that i had that happen in san diego like, like the only problem my interview style is if someone really just wants to cut through all the muck they just mm-hmm. like they right. It doesn't mean. By the way, it doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad interview. It's just it's not no. going to be the chatty interview, right? So right, right. It's right. more bullet points. Yeah, yeah. Ex- and, and that's totally and that's totally fine too. Like like it's not generally what I do, but I I, I do respect people. If that's their approach, right? To things. Yeah, yeah. That's right? definitely like a, a more late night television style, right? Because they've got their they know their time frame they need to fit, so yeah, they yeah. they know they need to hit certain yeah, ex- amount of beats exactly i mean and i've had some cool like i said I, I had a lot of time like i had a lot of fun in san diego like i said i had a lot of fun when i was there and it was nice actually yeah. meeting in person i'm I, yeah no it was awesome yeah I, I i wish bill was there that was the only thing it was like bill would have been that would have been perfect but, but yeah he, he, he yeah he had to take a year off i mean it's kind of funny actually because he doesn't i believe as of right now he doesn't have an artist alley spot so he's just going to be dropping in and doing some sign, he's going to be there this year, and he's going to be doing some signings and guest spots. Um, but he's not going to have his own space. Like he's going to use the community comics booth kind of as his home base. I, I'm going to I'm going to be prying for my professional badge like now, like now ish, so I can actually get mm-hmm. in next year. I had too much fun. I I, I don't want to not. Yeah. Sorry. Also, I want to see how many more ways I can sneak up on your boss. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, <sighs> I finally got the confirmation. Actually, where is it? I. Uh, there you go. There we go. So that's my invoice, which you know is great to see, but not great to see, right? <laughs> it means I'm going, but it also means it's a lot of money going out the door. <laughs> yeah, but okay. I, I I sincerely hope it it kind of was like it was this year, like next year. I I know there's gonna be more of a Hollywood influence again next year, but. So, you know what's interesting? I, so, we, I've been going to San Diego Comic Con for over 20 years now. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, actually, I think it actually is last year, I think it was actually my 20th year. Um, I, there was two in. years I didn't go. So, you know what? Actually, it was actually my 22nd year because I went in 99 and then I didn't go in like 2016 and 2017. Um, but yeah, no, the, the thing is, is that. I knew it was a different 
feeling because on Wednesday, the sales and interaction and the interest in small press was very strong. And traditionally, Hollywood doesn't have a presence on preview night. Hollywood is not there on, you know, the most they do is, is the Warner Brothers will screen a couple of, of pilots. Yep. You know, and so a lot of people were like, oh, well, you know, the reason why the show was good this year is because Hollywood wasn't there and people weren't lined up. And I'm like, but it was good from the go. It was good from jump. So that doesn't quite track, in my opinion. I do think it helped that people weren't lined up for extended periods of time. But I don't know if Hollywood not being there. I think people, I think people, because of the pandemic, because we didn't have the full on show for two years, you know, and then we had kind of like 20, you know, they had a special edition, you know, and then they had that the, the year after special edition, which was still kind of like a hybrid, you know, like there really wasn't a ton of stuff going on. I think people just wanted to some, experience something different at the show. Yeah. And I think this past year in 23, that, that was, people were like, you know what, I'm going to spend more time on the floor. I'm going to see more of the booths. I'm going to go to these areas. And I think a lot of people, my feeling and a lot of the feedback I got from people is they enjoyed that. So I'm hoping that 24, like you said, is going to be more of the same. It's going to be people coming back to small press, realizing, oh, that's actually where all the good stuff is. That's where all the good stuff is that I can't get at home, you know, because we don't, small press doesn't have a giant budget to market to every comic store around the country. I, I want you know? more American clientele by the time I get to San Diego next year. But my big thing was I'm in Canada. So yeah, probably. yeah, it is a little different. I wanted, I, I, I legitimately wanted to buy more books, like legit, but there yeah. was this, but the, you, the, <laughs> the thing was yeah. that you guys were laughing at me yeah. slightly out of pity. I was laughing too slightly out of despair because it was just like, it's just too much yeah. of a disparity. Yeah. Right. And you look at the stuff and you're like, it says, and you're, and because I, I know you, and you're looking at this stuff going, this is genuinely good. This is entertaining. I want to dive into this, but I also have a limited amount of stuff I can carry in my suitcase back home. There's that, but also there's again, just like, it's like this. So $20 American is $30. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. That, that's kind of it. I got a couple One of the reasons why I love going to Vancouver. From Seattle, yeah, no, the, you know? yeah, no, Vancouver's beautiful for you because you're like, hey, this is hey. a day off for me, <laughs> right? California, can... <laughs> right? Because here's the money. other thing too, like California and Canada in terms of price points are very close, yeah. Yeah. right? Very, very close. So it, it wasn't like if it was any other state, I would have gotten a bit of the price point difference at least. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Not California. Right? No, I, California I, is too expensive. Doesn't matter what side of the border you're coming from. <laughs> no, exactly. No, California is your dick. I mean, but yeah. in, in a perfect world, though, man, if I were to live somewhere in the states, I did. I like San Diego. The city itself is very nice. So, yeah, San Diego is is, is beautiful. I mean, again, it's one of those things when people say, "Oh, was Comic Con going to leave San Diego?" It's like I kind of, yes, there are larger convention centers. You know, yes, there's areas that have you know a more centralized location, but. One, the city fully embraces Comic-Con International. Yep. You know, they they allow them to do so much and they give them so much leeway. And again, it's because they've been for, there for, you know, 50 years. Um, but I don't know if any other city in the world would give them that much. You know, I mean, I, I live in Seattle and we have Emerald City Comic-Con 
And that's a very large show. But, you know, I know the organizers who started that show and I've talked to them and they were like, yeah, it was a complete uphill battle, pain in the ass to try to get uh, advertisements on the side of buses for the show, you know? And, you know, put banners up in the city and that kind of stuff. And, you know, they were trying to emulate what Comic-Con was doing. And they just had so much, so many hurdles to jump through and so many issues and that kind of, you know, and I'm just kind of like, like there were radio stations that turned them down to do ticket giveaways, you know, in Seattle. And it's like, why would you do that? Like, and they're like, oh, well, it doesn't fit into our format right now. It's like that. that, No, you know, I mean, granted, you know, Emerald City isn't selling out in six minutes like Comic-Con is. So maybe that's part of it, right? Well, you know, I don't know, but it, it was weird that these guys were having problems getting the city involved, you know, to be a part of the culture. That I mean, it's the opposite, right? Like San Diego's like, hey, we'll try, let, let's just let's just go all in on this, right? And the thing is, you could I, I mean, mean, you could arguably put the San Diego Comic Con in L.A., but the problem with L.A. is it would just be one. No. Yeah. Do you know why? Do you know why it'll never work in L.A. Is and it's the same reason why it barely works to WonderCon in Anaheim. San Diego as a city, the the, the county of San Diego is the ones that put the price regulation on the hotels they don't allow them to to overcharge in la they would literally just be like hotels charge a billion dollars a night we don't care yep you know uh and the only reason why i i believe in my opinion again i don't i don't have any inner workings of comic-con and and anaheim and the city and that kind of stuff but i think the reason why anaheim is doable is because of disney because disney's the one pretty much telling the city of anaheim no, we need to keep prices at a certain level because we need to constantly have flow of income. You know? And when you have yeah. a moneymaker like Disney there, you know, they're going to listen. Well, I mean, you'd have to be a complete idiot to comp- crap on your on your golden goose. Like, you'd have to be. Yeah. Now, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to say at this point in my life that I'm not saying that people aren't stupid enough to crap on their golden goose. I live in Canada. I have seen some incredibly dumb things from the one, mm-hmm. the people that don't value Canadian talent the most, believe it or not, are Canadians. Like it's Canadians by a mile. Like Americans oh, yeah. are like, oh, it's cool. You can do this shit. In Canada, it's like, meh. And you're like, I don't yeah, understand. It's all yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just like, it's like, I don't understand. No. It's the same. Right? Yeah, it, it's the same thing. I mean, you look at things all over the world. And, it's, and the internet has just, yeah. frozen. No. Is it your end or my end? You, you sit there and go like, really? That's that's where you're gonna? Oh no! Oh yes! No, you're you hear still. Me? Oh, now you're frozen. So I'm gonna okay. say it's your end. You're kind of going in and out. Okay, hold yep. on a sec here. One sec here. Bam, bam, bang! I have frozen. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? <laughs> oh shit! Gotta love this. Gotta love this. All right, give me a second. Yes. Okay. All right. No, it's it's not. It's it's you. Okay, gotcha. Well, folks, so we'll be hopefully doing this right back here. Here we go. One sec here. Well, that was weird. Can you hear me? It was. 
I can hear you. I can't see you. Okay, because I can't see you either. Interesting. Yeah. This has been a strange and wacky uh, experience. I, I'm on the air. Like, it, 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 I, I can watch myself on on uh, Twitch, which is weird. So right. I, I, oh, there you go. Oh, there you're you back. are. You're back. And then you're back on my side. Okay. That I am really so, so you just probably missed me. I'm here. Are you? I'm very tempted to say no. I'm not here, Tom. But I think you already know that. So. <laughs> See, this is how I know we're. This is how I know we're friends. See, I can mock myself, and you're like, yeah. I'm just gonna go with it. I'm just gonna. Go. I'm just gonna go. Yeah, yeah. So, like, like I was saying yeah, right before just... things got weird. Like, and you were saying, like, like hmm. it, it's a tendency, we have a tendency to take for granted or like our own talent here. Like special, I, I don't know. I, I think there's a little bit of that everywhere, but I think Canadians especially yeah. are guilty of this. I probably, I don't the guiltiest mm -hmm. people I've seen on this. Because the one thing I will say about down in the States, and this I will give you, there's more, no matter where you go in the States, there's more platforms to get stuff out there. Now, whether people appreciate them or not, that's a different that, right that's or a utilize them properly right yeah that's a different conversation entirely but yeah, yeah you're right there are definitely more outlets yeah so and and that's the thing like there's more of a there's a natural indication for a platform to kind of look at so it's much better here like that's the thing like i i I've been, i was trying to disappear this year from from where i'm at and i'm going to disappear for sure in the spring i don't care what i have to do to do it i'm going to do it but one of the reasons right. is just like I like for what like I did it's it's looking for that right people that right community thing and I think just for what I do in general I'm better suited in the states than I am up here that's just that that's just, yeah I I mean I, I definitely might be true it also might be a um a population density yes. thing. So, so the areas that you think about in the states for doing things like podcasting or doing things like social media or doing entertainment wise, you know, you think of California, you think of LA, you think of New York, you know, those are very densely populated, you know, areas. Um, so yes, I, I think in, in what you want to do in the areas you want to grow in, absolutely. You know, um, it definitely, I think would benefit you, but the flip side of that also then becomes, you know, you need to live in a densely populated area, which densely populated areas come with, you know, higher prices for things, higher taxes, higher, you know, like, well, so it becomes there's, there's, there's the, always there's always trade offs, right? So, but like I said, for me, like like the next the current journey right. in my yep. life, current like final destination thing is is I'm trying to figure out where I fit fit exactly. And I know I don't, I, I know it's not mm -hmm. here just because of the inability to connect here. It's funny. I, I've said this on a few shows. Yes. I, when I went to California, when I went to California, San Diego, even ignoring the Comic Con, it was really easy to connect with people down there. Like it was just really easy. Now, I'm not saying that that's, mm -hmm. my, that's yeah. the exact spot I mm -hmm. want to be, but even ignoring the con, people were just friendly and just wanting to chat. Like, like here, it's the opposite. So you know what the funny thing is? I, I Yeah, so you know what's interesting? I think, because I definitely know this goes for the East Coast of the United States as well. The further north you get, the more introverted and locked in people get. Yeah. So 
like because I've experienced that here in Seattle. You know, Seattle, Washington. It's you know, it's right next to Canada. <clears throat> Everybody in Seattle is is very in their own head, very introverted kind of deal. Whereas even when I go to you know Southern California, it is more of a personable exchange. I guess is an easy word to use in that yes. sense. And same thing when you go to you know. I mean, I grew up in New York. You know, again, the north side of the country, and you know, people are very direct. But it's like you go down south, you know, in like Georgia, or you go to you know South Carolina, or you know those where they talk about the quote unquote southern charm. You know, and there's definitely some truth to that. You know, they oh, yeah. they want to interact with you, even if it's literally on a ten minute basis. You know, yeah. Um, and so, you know, those are areas I think that certain mentalities are locked in. Yeah, and I think connecting like, is I, one I, of them. I, like we were talking about the pandemic earlier, right? I, I think what happened was people kind of went into one of three categories. Right, they either became more introverted, right? If you had more introverted right. ten- tendencies, you became more introverted. I think there was an mm-hmm. equilibrium, almost like the elastic bands, going back to what kind of a pre. There have been some changes as a result of the pandemic, but and some of them right. are good, some yeah. of them are not so good. But I think there's like a normalcy level, and then there's another group of people. I think mm-hmm. this is where I fit in. That want to connect with people more as the result of the pandemic more so because because you, re- you realize because you realize what you lost yeah exactly right and so like yeah and and i i just think i'm in one of those areas that just wants to just we're going to go in our own little corners of the universe and and I, there's nothing wrong with that really it's just not where i am in my mm-hmm. life now maybe when i'm like 80 <laughs> you know and i don't want to talk to anybody right. anymore I'll go back to that. I'll, I'll go. I'll go into the mountain. Well, know? that's 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 that that's that meme out there right now because of the holiday times. It says, you know, the older I get, the more I identify with the Grinch. You know, he didn't hate Christmas; he hated people. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. He. No. So, that's just it, right? Like the, the Grinch. If you look at the Grinch, he, he's like, he's like, he. Someone broke his heart a long time ago. I don't know who it was, but someone really hurt him. Yeah. yeah. And he, yeah. and he decided, like 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 all good villains, he decided to be angry. Mm-hmm. He said instead of being angry at himself, he decided to be angry at the whole right. world. I kind of respect that. Yeah. <laughs> Look, if you're gonna go, go hard, right? Exactly. <laughs> if you're going all the way, you know, go Victor Von Doom style, right? Yeah. You know, just basically take over your own country and say it's everybody else's fault. That's right. <laughs> you, 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 you know, you know it. I, I, I hate to say it, there 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 is some truth that's like hey you let me take over, right? Yeah. I mean there is some truth to that. <laughs> you know, I, I I have I have a I have a theory I have a theory and this and something and this is something I've realized again one of those gotten older wiser like epiphany things. Right. It's like, you know, people treat us the way we want to be treated, and when I realize that it's like oh wait a minute, you mean it's my fault? Fuck. <laughs> You're like, hold up. When did I become the person that makes the call? I don't like that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then I just realized that and just like, you know, I, I have a yeah. very simple, I have a simple rule. It's just like, you know, if you, I'll make the effort if you do. And if you don't, I ain't going to chase you. Fuck it. 
Well, you know, I mean, again, it's I'm the kind of the same way. You know, I'm the kind of person that I will put out the energy that I get back. Mm-hmm. Right. So if somebody, you know, gives me very low energy, you know, I'm not gonna sit there and be, woo, you know, uh, I'm gonna kind of match their energy level. Um, and if someone doesn't really want to, you know, or someone's very much outgoing, and you know, so I was actually texting with a friend of mine last night, and he said, you know what? He goes, I, I, I actually miss really, really miss hanging out with you because we would just go out to random places and hang out and do stuff, and then we moved a little bit further away from each other. He's like, you know, I miss that. I miss just hanging out and doing goofy stuff. And and I'm like, well, let's set some time aside and go do goofy stuff. You know? That's right. <laughs> Chase those and, raccoons, uh, and, Tom. Uh, now it's a little bit easier. Yeah, now it's a little easier because, you know, we, we, he's moved a little closer, you know, to where I am now. So it becomes something that is more possible. But I think, you know, again, you know, during the pandemic, he was much like you. He realized, oh, wait, I lost a lot of connections because of the pandemic, you know. And so I kind of want to get some of them back, you know. Yeah. And, and I want to interact more, you know. Well, there's that, there's that, but there's also, like, I, I, this was the thing that coming up here taught me. It's like, if, if I have to go into a place, I would rather go to a place where I am surrounded by complete strangers than going to a place with familiar right. faces that treat me like a complete stranger, if that makes sense. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I, and I think, I don't know if enough people embrace that yep. concept, right? Because I, I, I think, I think if more people pay more attention to that situation, I think more people would be in the same boat as you, wanting to be in a room of strangers than be, you know, yeah, because at least with strangers, you have no idea of what might result in the interactions. Well, I just think like what what tends to happen is there's a, there's an old saying: familiarity breeds contempt, and there's some truth to mm-hmm. that. I think a little bit, but I also think what it comes yeah. down to is people have people take for granted that like people have already kind of gotten back to that point of listen, I'm going to get caught in my own little world and doing my own little thing. And there's something wrong with this, by the way, folks, if you are listening to me, mm-hmm. it's just something that just, but what happens to happen is if we have anything on the peripheral, we put it off. And what happens is time only goes one way. Like it only goes one way. Right. So mm-hmm. if you put it off too long, it's not going to come back. And like I said, I, and, and again, they're, everybody's going through their own ports in life. I had one one particular connection. She's like, no, she's like, no, nah, man, I just got so many things on the go. And she was honest about it. So it was just mm-hmm. like, that's a thing. But for the most part, I just realized, like, I think I think up here, I, one of the things I noticed was just people got comfortable in their distance. And that's fine. Yeah. I, you know, and that's fine. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not going to say that's necessarily the wrong answer, but it's not my answer. And that's something I kind of realized. Right. No, and it's not it's not mine either. Yeah. And and I think you know and, and I definitely think that more people, like you said, they're slowly starting to come back to that mindset. You yeah. know. We had I three years I... where they everyone told everybody, stay away from each other. You know? <laughs> well yeah, well, yeah, the pandemic was weird on many levels. Yeah. Weird. It, yeah. You know, I, I think I think after what happened, the way things worked out, I'm not so sure if, if another pandemic was announced, we'd do it the exact. I think there'd be a more open revolts next time. I actually really do believe that. 
just yeah. based on just how it oh 100 percent yeah just on how 100%. it how it went the yeah. first time i just think i just think that a lot of mistakes were made and like i said we're not going to go into like i'm sure that that's a conversation that that neither of us really will want to go but just like i realized that's never going to happen it's a conversation that doesn't really go anywhere yeah you know, exactly. that, that conversation doesn't go anywhere it, it goes but you know it's just eh, eh, you know yeah it's like eh, yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna ask i'm yeah. gonna ask this but, i'm i ask this because i know you're you're the editor-in-chief so the way i grasp this with going back to you and alex with a quick right here you're the filter yeah is that is that accurate to some extent yeah, yeah. so Originally, when we when we started the company, we definitely wanted to have a delineation between the two of us, and and I was supposed to be more of the creative end because that's my specialty. That's more where I feel more comfortable, and then Alex was supposed to be more of the business end and handle things like advertising or just distribution or, you know, um, you know, reach, you know media type stuff right well then what kind of happened as we got further along with the company this is one of the things that makes comic book industry very unique is that you can't have a very strong delineation at least in my experience again i you know i don't own a multi-million dollar corporation i'm not marvel you know maybe marvel and dd and those guys can have a delineation <clears throat> but um but you know i mean i i you know Alex, it's very hard for somebody like Alex to talk to, you know, distribution when he's not sure of the projects that we've got coming out or how they're developing or, you know, like, so that does fall more on me, you know, same thing with like some of the advertising, um, you know, he needs graphics and he needs artwork to do the advertising. Well, that kind of comes from my department as well. So we kind of have this weird hybrid, which is one of the reasons why this year uh, and probably next year as well. Uh, Alex took much more of a, a front, front and center role at the convention at San Diego, because that's definitely more of a, a business end kind of thing. Whereas, yes, I know the products through and through, you know, frontwards and backwards and everything like that because I immersed myself in them. But that might not be the best thing in terms of trying to to somebody who doesn't know them, yeah. right? Like you said, you know, if I'm too familiar with them, it, it's all trees, not seeing the forest. Um. And so that's why he took much more of a front center role. And I, and honestly, I mean, I got to give him credit as pains, as much as it pains me to do so, you know, I also think that's one of the reasons why our sales were better this year Yeah, is because he was there and he was doing more of a marketing role, which is what he is really good at. <clears throat> I know? also, th I um, also think I, I was taught. Okay. Again, so this is a little bit of a paraphrase from his interview. I look at your, com like the comp committee right. comics. As as I hope I hope you I hope you take this the right way, the fun comics line. I don't necessarily yeah. think you're going for Shakespeare, and I'm not. And what I mean by that is that you're not going for like the big the big epic hit. I'm not saying you can't do it, but it's not right. 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 I'm, what, I would what, much rather get five products out there that are entertainment based and fun opposed to one multi-trillion dollar movie license. Yes. You know, and people look at me and sometimes they think I'm crazy and then other people understand why it is because I'd much rather see 
buy products with my name on it that I know I help people get into a store than one product that's on the bestseller list. Well, yeah, because that's dumb. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's it's not because it's, it, it's it's in the long run a hit would be cool. Don't get me wrong, a hit a hit has it has its right. advantages, but the right. hit should come from it, for you guys to sustain your hit. It have to come from a very authentic place in your company, right? That's 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 where yes. like if you're if you're multi let, let let's say your your current your your current project, you sell mm -hmm. a million of those and get a get a deal, okay? Now, never mind the fact right. that Alex would hold that over you for the rest of his of, of his life, right? Never mind that for yeah. just a second, yeah. Yeah. right? It's the fact yeah, he'd that he'd get a tattoo on his forehead just so you know. he probably would. <laughs> And I and I would hundred hundred percent support it. Hell, hell, I might do it at that point. I would do that. All right, but here's the thing, I, I, but that would that hit would would stick, and that hit would be true to you guys' brand. So I feel like in that particular case, if you hit that home and run, I, right, you, you you can jump in. Well, so the funny thing in. is, is that I've I've. I've done, I've been doing comic books in some way, shape, or form, whether it be retailer, publishing, creating, you know, art directing. I've been doing comic books for, you know, over 25 years at this point, you know, probably close to 30 years. I've seen a tremendous amount of hugely selling projects and incredible IPs that come out of nowhere and shot to the stars. And just like a flare, they have burned up and they have disappeared. And then nobody knows who they are in a year or five years. And then you see things that are slow burn, you know, like something along the lines of Strangers in Paradise mm -hmm. or Bone, right? And those two products. I mean, those are two people, you know, creators and series that I love. Terry Moore's just been grinding and he's been very successful. Don't get me wrong. But he's done. He's told the stories he's wanted to tell. Yep. He's, he, you know, he, he's done, like you said, he's one of those radio uniforms where he's doing everything himself. And, that kind of stuff. and he's had offers and he has worked for companies like Marvel, you know, and he has done stuff and he has done larger projects, larger companies. But you ask anybody who's read Strangers in Paradise, if you ask them if they're going to get the next series that Terry does, and I literally just saw a tweet this, this night, this evening when I was coming home. Terry tweeted that he's been sitting on the beach and he's literally his next entire series came to him already. Nice. If you ask any one of the people who read Strangers in Paradise, are you going to buy that? Every single one of them would be like, 1000% I'm buying that. We don't know what it is. We have no idea what it is. We just know, like you said, it came from an authentic place. His success has come from an authentic place to where you know it's going to be good. Well, it, it, it's also like, okay, for example, Bill's book. I love, I, I love, I love Nyra. Yeah. It's fun. Hero. It, right, near near it is just yeah. a fun book. It it makes no bones about what it is, mm -hmm. right? I haven't gotten nope. the first issue. I, yep. I haven't gotten the first issue yet. I'm going to do that next time I go. I'm going to make it. I, I I actually, you know, the thing I really wanted from you guys, and I and, and I just couldn't afford it was the Nira Omnibus you guys have for, for all its older stuff, because mm -hmm. I, I I want that just because I know it makes no sense in grand like continuity. Yeah, that one, that one. Exactly. Yep. Right. It's well, yeah. I mean, it's it's, yeah. It's it's you know, what is it? I think that's almost. 
four years worth of books. Yeah. Because it's three different miniseries. But you know, and so it's it's a good stuff. Yeah. So, but the thing is, it's him, and the thing, and so like Terry. Terry's one of my favorite create creators. Now, for my money, like this is just my yeah. personal opinion. Motor Girl's the best thing he's ever done. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. Love Motor Girl. Yeah, it's, yeah. Right, right. It's a good one, right? And so I, I'm, I like, right? It's yeah. It's a, I think it's his best one because I think I. He has, and this is a huge compliment to Terry. He's got a very funny, charming style, like in terms of how he tells a story. But when he wants to be serious mm-hmm. and really hit you, he really can. And yeah. Strangers, well, Strangers is is definitely what he's known for. For my money, I think he hits the nail on the head in Motor Girl so hard, well, especially Motor- towards the end. Yeah, and Motor That's Girl me. was really good. I, and I think it was also because of the fact that it was a shorter story, right? Yeah. Strangers in Paradise, it's, it's, it's you know, many years worth of storytelling, you know? Oh, yeah. Whereas Motor Girl, you know, and I think he needed that in order to perfect his craft, right? Like, you know, again, you, you talk about, you know, doing a thousand hours of anything makes you a master. You know, oh, well, you know, you, do, you know, you do 175 issues or whatever, how many issues that was, you know, actually, I think it was only like 110 or something like that, but you know, still. That's so you know. impressive. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's hugely impressive. So, but yeah, I, I mean, Motor Girl was incredible. I mean, one of my favorites, and again, I mean, I love Shane's Paradise. I love Motor Girl. Rachel Rising, to me, his horror. That, just, that, that, that's my favorite long form of his. That's yeah. my favorite long form. Yeah, it, it's just... I think he just brought storytelling, at least his storytelling, to a different level, you know, and he and utilizing Here's an interesting thing. things we know. He was one of my earliest guests, actually, on this show. Like oh, we're really? talking pre, oh yeah, pre one hundred. I and, and, and like wow. like like all the bad, like all my bad quality in terms of audio quality, but I got Terry Moore to come on my show. Oh, my first hundred have some like has great. some really cool like 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 Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. Terry Moore, J.M. DeMatteis, Riley mm-hmm. Rossmo are all in that first hundred. Oh, nice. Right? Wow. So yeah, so you, 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 nice. like you like right? But Terry, he's such a good storyteller, and but again, he's true to who he is, and that. Yeah. So when he does get like these, like okay, Rachel Rising was possibly going to be a television show now. I don't know if that's going to happen anymore because, again, we talked about earlier. People like messing up those gravy trains. Some like 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 sometimes sometimes like yeah. that does happen. I feel that happened there. I'm not again. I don't know. I'm just I'm just I'm just. Yeah. But if he got that TV show, if he got that movie, right? And it was Rachel Rising. Yeah. Or if it was Motor Girl, or if it was Parker Girls, or if it was, uh, I. I don't think cereal has right. long form potential, although I I would pop at the at the child cereal killer mm-hmm. like like that'd be a fun that'd be a fun one. Yeah. But whatever we're, That'd be a good that would be a good good hour and forty five minutes. That'd be a good yes. movie. Yeah, it'd be a fun movie. Real. Right? But the yeah, thing they, is they could definitely do that. Yeah, they could definitely do that movie. Yeah, they could do it as a movie for sure. But the thing is, it's him. It's not him doing um, yeah. like she hulk It's it's him. It's it's a legitimate right. Him. Yeah. And going back to you guys, I think any of your books that got to that next level as they currently are, I think it would be it would be a hit that would sustain for that very same reason. I don't 
like again, this was this yeah. has always been the big impression I've gotten from both of you. Um, you don't pretend to be who you are, who you're not, right? You, you are who you are. What you see is what you get, right? And you know. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's one of the things because of the fact that I've been the art director for this company for such a long time. I mean, people have always asked me over the years. They're like, "Well, how come you don't have a manga style book?" You know how popular manga is right now and how popular all those things are and i flat out told people i i said i don't know manga i don't know how to market it i don't know how to you know it's a different beast you know you can't do it the same with a, a standardized american comic book um and people always kind of find that funny they're just like well why don't you learn and i go well that's not what i want that's not you know like you were saying it's not me it's you know all the projects that we've cultivated are me to some degree there are things that i find interesting there are things that i think are really worthy to get out there you know well, yeah uh and that, to that's... do a genre just because that genre is popular i don't think that is a good idea unless you happen to be in the middle of uh, if it's already what you're already doing sure but i mean you gotta be i mean yeah. it's if your like... genre becomes popular that's yeah. right you know yeah no, 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 like yeah. the last thing, like, like I would like the last thing, I mean, although I do somehow see you guys doing a zombie retelling of like a classic just for shits and giggles, right? I could see it hypothetically. Yeah. Right. It doesn't, yeah. that, 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 that shouldn't be your go-to if zombies get hot, you know what I mean? Or, or a vampire story, like re right. retelling, right? Like that's not, that's not. A lot of people go right right to the market. It's like that's not how it works. The market evolves all the time. And especially today, like the market isn't just one thing. It's it's yeah. all over the place. Like you talk about manga. Okay. I love manga. I'm one of those guys that likes manga. I like yeah. I think it's really, really good. Mm -hmm. Their good ones are really, really good. The bad ones are really, really shit. And that's just uh, like much like comics. There's really, really good ones. There's really, really bad ones. And bless everybody's heart for trying, right? That, that's all you can do, right? right? And but but even so, it's like like you coming in there. It's like, hey, listen, Spy X Family is amazingly popular right now, and I somehow. The reason I picked that one is that of all the ones I, all the manga I currently am thinking, that's the one I think you would make you genuinely laugh your ass off, right? But mm -hmm. that all said, that's not who you guys are, and you shouldn't try to be something you're not. Because I think what would be worse, imagine you actually succeeding at something you're not, and you're stuck with it. Wouldn't that be hell? Yeah. Yeah. There's been a couple of like. Um... I've heard stories that are like stand-up comics, you know, like they do a character and that character hits and they're just like, oh, you know, they're miserable. But that's what everybody wants to hear, right? You know, it's just like, yeah, I don't want to do that, you know? So. Well, I think I think there's a point, there's a certain point in every art. Let's say you become really successful at whatever it is you do. You're doing fan service at some point. I don't think that's a bad thing. So the question is then, no. what kind of fan service do you want to do? Because that's going to be because yeah. if it does hit, you're going to be doing that all the time. Right. Yeah. Right. Like I, I go musicians. Okay. I, I'm going to go old Metallica. I love Answer Sandman. They have done that song mm. to death. Right. Probably sometimes they're sick yeah. of it. Sometimes. 
But yeah, everybody wants to hear it. So and they're getting yeah. like. I mean, that's like you know that that's like one hit wonders, right? Like, how do you think they feel? Everyone knows them for one song, and they have to play it every single set they do. Hey, listen, I I I, I think it depends on the one hit wonder. Like, I'm I'm, I'm a big like. Remember, remember, remember Survivor, like Eye of the Tiger. Yeah. Uh, somehow, somehow, mm-hmm. I don't think they could board of that. It's like, wait, this gets us to the party. Sweet. Well, again, there, there were, there were certain one-hit wonders that had talent, and then there were certain one-hit wonders that they just wanted to get in the door. You know, that's right. Uh, I'll let you know the public decide where Survivor and Eye of the Tiger sits, but they hey, listen. <laughs> I have the Rocky movies in my head right this minute. I don't know if that says something about me or the or Survivor, but I'll just leave, leave it at that. But yeah, okay. So funny. I gotta ask this. You, you again? You've been mostly behind the scenes. This is you going to the forefront now. Yeah. Like, it sounds like you've learned a lot. You did, and one of the biggest things that I've learned, and it was probably the hardest thing that I learned, was. I can only do one thing at a time, meaning that when I was writing the story, I had I, I was sitting there as I was writing it, editing it in my head, and also trying to figure out how Joe Martinez, the artist who's working on the book with me, how he was going to interpret this and how he was going to draw it and what the layout was going to look like. And... Doing all of those things in the two weeks that I, I set aside to work on the project, I think I might have gotten three panels in because yeah. I just was stopping myself from actually telling the story. So I had to turn off all those other voices in my head and just be the writer, which was hard. <laughs> you had to write the story. Because I had never done go, that before. Hey, what about, nope, shut up, voice. We can get yep. that's editing. Yep. We'll get and, to that later. Yep. Finish the story. Yeah. And so, right. And so, so I had to write it out. I, I spent, like I said, I spent two weeks. I might have gotten a page done. And then I finally took a week off and had to explain to myself that I couldn't do that. And then I figured out, oh, okay, how do I do this? And so I figured out the steps to do it. And then I was able to write the entire first issue without a problem. And actually, I wrote the entire first issue, and then wrote a huge chunk of the second issue. And then I stopped, and I said, okay, well, now it's time to put on the editor hat, you know, and go back and see, you know, does the transition from, you know, this section of the story work to this section of the story? And as I edited through, I realized, oh, no, some of it worked, some of it didn't work, and some of the second issue won't work because it, we changed things in the first issue, you know? Um and then I had to send it off to Joe to do the breakdowns of the thumbnails. And, you know, when I got back the thumbnails and I've gotten back some of the pages now and that kind of stuff, and we have about a third of the book, you know, finished, I had to restructure some of the storytelling and totally change how the second issue is going to go. <laughs> so, which is good. You know, like that's what, that's what I want. You know, I want a collaboration element to it. Well, yeah, you want to get, you want to get, you want the best story possible. And more often than not, um, you know, you, you want to make sure that the artist feels as invested in it as you do. The worst thing you want to do is yeah. give an artist like a set of instructions. They follow those instructions, guy or, or else. And because 
you won't get the best story out of them. No, no. I mean, I'll, I'll get I'll get what's written on the page, but you know, it, it's a comic book. It's a graphic novel. It's not a novel, right? Like, you know, I don't want what's only on the page. I want what the my collaborator and the other person who visualizes it what they see between the pages, between the words, you know. So I'm going to ask this. Do you have like a master, like, do you know what, what, do you have a general idea of the beats for all four issues prior to this? Or have you been writing by the seat of your pants? So I, I have certain things I want to hit in every issue. Um, and, and I've kind of decided to literally keep it very loose in that respect. Uh, so I have the certain beats that I want to hit, or uh, let me, not the beats, but the certain actions or elements in each issue. So, you know, issue one, my goal was pretty much to introduce all the characters. As as simple as that sounds, that was my goal. Um, and I, you know, I succeeded in that. In issue two, you know, the goal is to pretty much take those characters and I want to have them show how each one of them interact with Sancho. You know, the and and then issues three, I have, you know, another thing. But how I get there, I I have a loose plan that I've kind of detailed out, but I definitely know that, you know, as I refine it, that will probably change. Oh yeah. So you know, like I said, I mean a good a good chunk of what I wrote for issue two when I was writing issue one doesn't work anymore because I edited and changed a lot of things. I, I, I've been there, like writing novels. I just finished yeah. writing a novel. And I was like, mm -hmm. uh, so my, I'm not going to give away too much. But so I had this idea of who the big bad guy was going to be in this novel mm -hmm. when I started writing this. When I got to the end, it was someone I, I didn't entirely expect it to be. It was like, how did this mm -hmm. happen? And then I re re read what I wrote. It's like, right. well, it makes sense. Plan? Yeah. Rip, rip. Rip. But you need that plan. Like you have to have an idea. You have to have at least when you start some idea where you're going. Right. You have to understand that there is a path out there. The map you have might not be to the correct path, but you have a map that shows a path. So I, I so I, so I call someone that to have plots and somewhere between plotting and panting, a planter. That's what I call myself. Mm -hmm. I feel like you're somewhere in that. I, I feel like, again, comics is slightly yeah. different because you're, because again, you're more like in a band. You might be the lead singer, right? I, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I don't have never heard you sing. So, I mean, I, 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 Not I a can good only thing. imagine. <laughs> no. Would, would I give you money to never do it again? No, because sometimes you like to torture your friends. So, you know. They're, they're... Okay, so I, I'd pay you to torture my friends. Gotcha. So you're at that level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, gotcha, right. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. I'm I'm gotcha. high up there. Um, no, but okay. you're right. Like the lead singer of the band sometimes doesn't write the songs, right? So, you know, it doesn't mean that they're not a good singer, but it also means that they're not really driving the band, so to speak. Well, no, because because it, it, again, everybody has a voice. Like I said, Alex yeah. has a voice of Sancho. Joe, like your yeah. your artist has a voice voice. Mm -hmm. I don't know how deep your creative team is, so I can't really say about everybody else, but I wouldn't even, it's amazing sometimes that about even like um, letters are often underrated when in terms of comics, for example, oh, they're 100%. very underrated. 
Because when they do their job, yeah. most people don't notice them, right? And that's so you know. Credit. I always, I always believe that as well. I believe that as well. I've always believed that a very good letterer, you know, is somebody who you don't notice, but they make you feel a certain way. Yes. And then I was talking to Todd Klein, who's probably the goat. He's the Michael Jordan of letterers. Mm-hmm. And he actually was like, no, I disagree. He's like, the, the letterers, he goes, you know, you definitely know when it's bad letterers. He goes, but a good letterer, you will notice no, because they it's... will stand out and embellish the work. And I, and I, and I, no, no, and I, and I said, I was like, you know what? I never thought of it that way, but the, I, I didn't mean that you wouldn't notice them. I would just, I meant that they would seamlessly integrate into the art. Well, I, I think, okay, you know? I think in let, like lettering, this is what I would say to Todd. It's just that it's so easy, and this is actually, I think, to everybody's detriment, not just me saying this. I think they're the one job in co- in a comic. It's the easiest to take for granted. There's an art form to it. In fact, you could yeah. do an awful lot with lettering, to, again, to embellish what's going on in a comic. And great letterers do it all the time. But I also feel like it's the one part of the art where it's like people just don't notice it sometimes right well i i think a lot of people who aren't professional letterers equate it more to typesetting yeah which which in this day and age because of the way that digital lettering is going i hate to say it leans more towards typesetting but again a good letter won't let it lean all the way into typesetting no, you know, I, I mean, I, I mean, there's some, there's some truth to that because I guess the way, again, way digital is gone, but even so, like, right. yeah, okay, so this is a com, like I mentioned Riley earlier, I, I, I personally hated the comic. I mean, I, I didn't hate the art, I just hated the comic, but I got it because he drew it, Cowboy Ninja, Lightning. right? Yeah, I, I, I hated okay. it. I, I, I hate it. It's, it's a very, um, I think the nicest way I can t- say that story, it, it's. It was, it was a not, it, it was not, it was what would happen if Axe Cop wasn't fun, by and large. Was it right? fun? Okay. If Axe Cop wasn't okay. fun. And anyone that doesn't know what I'm talking okay. about, Axe Cop is amazing. It really is. Yeah. yeah go go check out Axe Cop for sure. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. no right. Like, like if you, if you've never seen it, you should, it's one of the best. Again, you go along for the ride with that one, and once you get the once you get the caveat, it's great. But right, yeah, I love the lettering in Cowboy Ninja Viking. That's the one thing I okay. thought that was phenomenal because the cowboy, the ninja, and the Viking each had different lettering, so you could tell which one was actually speaking. Gotcha. Right. Right. Even if they're not on panel. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So it was. It, I thought it was like, I thought the lettering was amazing. I think it was the best thing in that book. I love Riley's art, but I honestly think from a story perspective, the best thing was, mm-hmm. was, was lettering. And it was just like, ah, uh, but yeah, but I mean, but, but it showed me right there. It's like, wow, you could do a lot with lettering. If you, if you have the right book, it can be yeah. incredible. And in fact, I mentioned that, I just mentioned Max cop. That's a good book. That's a, that's a good example of a book that definitely uses the entire art form to come up with some of the wildest and think wildest and most imaginable things possible. Yeah. yeah. And and each each element leans on the other. Yep. When necessary, which is nice. No. Yeah, no, again, 
just completely buys into what it's doing and it's it's great right like it's it's great yeah right so um <laughs> right so but again to anyone that hasn't listened to it yeah you definitely should check out that book at some point if you haven't but yeah but that all said it's like like it's like comics is an art form like like going to your book I don't know like your full creative team but I but I imagine it's like I said everybody's got a little bit of a voice if nothing else because there, there's always good ideas from artistic people yeah yeah and I've definitely taken you know taken some suggestions and, and you know and allowed like our colorist so as of right now it's me writing it. Joe Martinez is doing all the line work. So he's doing, it's doing it all digital, which again, for me is a big departure because I'm way more of a traditional guy. I'd much rather have someone pencil it and someone ink it. But Joe basically showed me his resilience and adaptability into doing both. And I was like, you know what? This is, this is a time for me to kind of grow and let go of what I would want and have him again like you said put out the best book possible right and so you know he he demonstrated to me that he can pages digitally so why not go with that right like we all want the best thing and so and then raymond lee is coloring it um and he's like not changing the mood but he's definitely enhancing the mood for the the element storytelling parts that I want because again, he's an artist himself. He understands that, you know, certain color combinations and certain tones and certain shadows can enhance what the feeling is. Um, and it's very funny that we've spent a lot of time talking about different letters and, and that that's the one area I don't have somebody yet. I'm still yeah. looking for that last little component because I do have some people who I can call upon, but I don't, I don't feel that they're a good fit for the project. Yep. So I'm still looking for that thing, that last person. Do you have an, like, do you have an idea in your head what you're looking for? Um, I need somebody who's very adaptable. So the concept with the book, it's Sancho who is crazy and he's kind of like an insane genie. Um, he attached himself to this family and he's like, I'm going to help guide your lives and make your lives better. You know, unfortunately, you know, he thinks he's a chipmunk. So it's like kind of hard when the person who's supposed to be enhancing your life doesn't have his own life figured out. So, <laughs> so, so a large portion, a large portion of the book is he's telling a story. So, it, so there is a story within the story, right? Which is, has so, a completely different art team. So I need somebody uh, who can adapt to multitudes of different art stories. So my, my question here, uh, Sancho doesn't sound like he's very reliable. Is that a fair I don't know assessment? what you're talking about. I, I don't know what you're talking about. No, it's not that he's like Alex. I'm not, no, I don't know what you're talking about. So that... <laughs> I, 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 I just, just something inside me just said, you know, I get the feeling that what he says and what I'm going to see on the page may not exactly go head to head. And I think that could work. I mean, unreliable narrators you know, are, you know, they can I'm, be I'm, very entertaining. You know, I'm just saying that, you know, the characters in the first issue, they want something and they get something. 
yeah. you know, whether it be like a monkey paw type story, you know, we'll have to see. Well, it, it does have a certain bit of monkey paw to it, although I, I'm not entirely sure it's quite monkey paws because I'm not sure how you put the genie away, right? Like the thing about the monkey paw is it ends once, once, once the paw closes, it's over, right? Yeah, no, it's not quite, no. It's kind of like if the monkey paws closing, Sancho's inside the hand going like this, keeping it open. You know, yeah. whether that's good or bad is a different story entirely. Um, well, no, so, he's so the, he's, the, he's the story within a... the... Sorry, go on. He's not, he's not pretending he's a chipmunk. He thinks he is a chipmunk. Well, okay. How, okay, how to, how, how to word this? Okay, this is a dude that has his has a certain construct of what his reality is. Okay. Mm -hmm. And just going based on Disney cartoons back in the day, Chip and Dale are not exactly what I want, but I want someone to guide my life into the best possible future. Right? It's just No, no, if you if you if you look closely at Chippendale, it was Indiana Jones and Magnum PI. Oh, Rescue I mean, Rangers? Absolutely. That's a pretty good... No, absolutely. Right? But, but, but I mean... I'm talking... The originals, yeah. Ones. The original Chippendale. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no. Totally. I get you. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah also, I'm there with you. Yeah. Um, although, although, why didn't they give Dale a mustache? That's the one thing I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Now that I had, now, now that I'm thinking about it, that's the one thing they should have done in Rescue Rangers. And you know, because he's a chipmunk. So what? Chipmunks don't have facial hair. Eh. Monterey Jack had a mustache. Eh. He had a mustache. Um. Why couldn't Dale? So yeah, so because of because of the fact that there's a story within a story, that art style is also going to be completely different. Yep. So that so Joe is not drawing that story in a story. I'm having a completely different art team do that um, which, to keep it interesting, to keep it different. You know, because again, I still want this the the overall voice of Committed Comics is new talent showcase. That's what Committed Comics has always been, and so this allows me to continue to have a a section for new talent showcase it's basically going to be a 10 to 12 page story within the story you know and um i i i can't wait i i, I really yeah. legitimately can't wait for this like i said going full circle here going full 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 circle here i heard about this in july folks so when yeah. i heard about this in july there was a little part of me it's just like Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. But at the it same time, finally came true. Yeah, right, right. At the same time. But I can see where you got your way on it too. Because it, it's not just a straight, it, it is a straight sponsor story, but it isn't. Not just because he, right. he thinks he's a chipmunk, but because you're keeping true to the mission statement of your company, which is something right. I think you cared about a yeah. lot. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that's one of the things I am very happy about, you know, um, the company, the way it's gone. And and the story within the story for the first issue, it still keeps with the mission statement of New Talent Showcase, but it's New Talent Showcase that we did years ago. So it's kind of weird because we repurposed the story 
that we told in a very small print run of a, of a book that we did over 10 to 12 years ago. And so the story within a story is written by Danny Donovan, who now does a ton of stuff for film. Um, and uh, I think he's worked with uh, uh, what's the people who are doing what's that publisher that does Goosebumps. Is that it's not random? Oh, um, yeah, but the company that publishes him, I can't remember. Uh, Scholastic. Yeah. Scholastic. So Danny's done a bunch of stuff with Scholastic, I believe. Uh, the person who's doing the artwork or did the artwork um, for the story within the story is Dustin Weaver. And Dustin Weaver is now doing stuff over Image. He's doing Packless. He's done X-Men. He's done, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. for Marvel. Um, I, I, and, I love you know, show. James Taylor is inking him. Yeah. And James Taylor is inking him uh, on this story. And this story was done years and years and years ago. And it was not many people saw it. And so I was kind of like one... When I was doing the first issue, not only for time, because that way I didn't have to have an art team create that. It was already done. But I also kind of looked at it going like, you know what? These None of these guys were pretty much known when we published them, when we worked with them, you know, 10 to 15 years ago. So granted, now all of the creative members of the, you know, of the team are very successful in the comic industry. And so I kind of thought to myself, this is the perfect kind of launching pad for the book because in a weird twist of fate it's the opposite the the veterans are the story within the story and everybody who's telling the sancho portion of the story are kind of the newcomers which is fun whereas later on it'll be the opposite right later on you know in issue two and issue three i'm gonna find people who have never had any published work in the in the comic industry and i'm gonna bring them in and Wait. so then we'll be the veterans working with the new com newcomers. That's right. That's right. We're like, we know what we're doing. Kind of, sort of, I think. No, no. no. But yeah, but no. But right. yeah, but no. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty much it. Right? So yeah, but it, it's, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, and the Kickstarter's going now. So people can go and pledge, just saying. Yeah, we're, we're, we're um, almost at that point. I, I had one more question, then we can go to the full official yeah. pledge. And this, this. First, actually, I want to do this two parts. First off, okay. twenty years is a hell of an accomplishment in this industry. There is a list of companies that you have outlasted, like just big time, like you, like big companies too. These are like so, so, so. Let, let me tell you, and this is again. This is one of those ideas that Alex came up with, right? And I had to, like you say, filter through. And it, and this idea got two-thirds of the way done. And then I said, no, we can't do this. So I am now going to tell you um, what we could not do, which probably still is not a good idea to say, but, you know, yeah, whatever. what the hell. So you're right. We've outlasted a lot of companies, right? And so when we were going into our 15th year at Comic-Con, we wanted to do flyer promoting that, that it, we lasted 15 years, you know, as a company going into Comic-Con. So I went through, because I'm a pack rat with my collectibles and that kind of stuff. I have previews from the very first time that we were solicited in previews. I have that previews and everyone since then for the most part i went back and started scanning in company logos that no longer exist 
Okay. Oh my God. We got to about 25 companies in the 15 years that we existed up to that point. And the flyer was going to be all of those logos with the Committed Comics logo, very large in the middle. And on the bottom was going to be the tagline, came out of Alex's head. We're still here, bitches. <laughs> it's true, though. I got, I scanned in 20, actually, I scanned in like 33 logos. And then I thought to myself, Alex, this might piss off a lot of people. Maybe we don't do this. It's not really. So we abandoned it. See, I'm at a very unique point in my life. I have come to this very. This is the evil salesman aspect of my personality, right? I, I, mm -hmm. I, I hold why you and Alex get along, this, right? If they hate you, they actually have a tendency to buy more from you, right? So pushing that button once in a while, like you're laughing because you know oh. it's true, right? <laughs> right. And, and again, we we pushed the button. Trust me, Alex and I have pushed buttons. Um, yeah, I, I'm not saying yeah, we, we've you, done you it. I'm not saying you always want the trouble that comes with it. Like there again, I'm not saying like this. I, I don't always cave into that impulse, but at the same time, there's a part of yeah. me now that's like, you know, this button is fun to push, and I do do it sometimes on purpose. Well, it, you know, the, there is there is that old adage that you know if you have haters, you're doing something right. Mm -hmm. You know. Well, I, I actually, uh, and so, okay. but again, it was, and again, we probably could have done the flyer and it, we just would have had to change it from we're still here, bitches, to something a little bit more universal. Well, more, you, you could go like, like, honestly, the way around that, and this is just, and if Alex listens to this, he's, I, I, if, and he goes with it, I'm sorry. But um, um, I, I say it like this. If you make it more of an inspiring thing, you could get away with it because, like, honestly, like, staying in comics. Okay, companies you have outlasted. That like just a few off the top of my list: Valiant, the Ultraverse, right? Um, those are techno content comics. Comics. Yeah. Well, no, Techno. Techno was backed by the Sci-Fi Network on television. Yeah. Like, like you know, we outlasted CrossGen. Yeah, yeah, that's the question. Like, these are big <laughs> companies, folks. Not these aren't small ones, right? Nope. And, and you're still here, yeah. releasing comics, and none of these guys are standing. Like mm -hmm. none of them. Nope. That's that's nope. a combination of smart business, knowing who you are, and knowing who you want to be. Like that's like going back to something we said earlier. You guys know who you are, and I think that's—I honestly think that's your greatest strength. And I, and yeah. I say, I mean that like it's—it's it's a huge—it's a huge boom to you. And because of that, I think—I think because of that, um, I don't know if you'll ever be like the big, big, big company. I don't know if you guys want to be though either, right? I mean, I'm just—I'm just saying, like, like it's one of those. Like, yeah. I don't know where you're going to finally end up, but I also I've think always said. I've always said that even if, you know, the company becomes super famous and, and successful, I'll still probably always have a day job. 
Sure. I'll still always have a day job because that way I'm never relying on committed comics to pay my rents. So therefore I can never get bitter about it. Yeah. Fair enough. You know? And maybe that's Fair. crazy, but, but that way I'll always love what I'm doing, even if the next project doesn't hit the way it should. I, yeah, it, it's weird because I've been freelancing full time. Like, like, like I, I've done the, I've been going through the ups mm. and downs that have come with it. I love what I, I, I like, right. Yeah. But like for me, I love what I do. So I don't think I yeah. ever will hate it. Now there might come a point where I might go back into some kind of employment. It wouldn't be a typical day job. Mm. It would have to be something that suits my skill sets. Right. But, yeah. but, um, that all said, right. Cause I love what I do. Right. I, I really, really do. I don't think the money right. or lack thereof sometimes will ever change that. I'm not sure yeah. that's a concern, but I also understand like because of how volatile it can be, the ups and the downs that come with that. Right. Um, and mm. also depending on your spending habits, what you're into, but you might, you right. might want that day job just, just, to, just to, so I can well, buy my crap. And also, I mean? and also let's, let's be fair. I'm not at that level. So for all I know, when committed comics reaches that level, I might be like, peace out, bitches. I'm done with the day job. Well, that, well, that's just it. Like, you might have to, right? You might have to. It comes down to time at that right. point. No, right? and that's, time. that's the best case. Yeah, that's the best case scenario. That's the best case scenario is that I have to leave the day job because the, the side hustle becomes so much. Yeah. So. And, and, and that's yeah. the thing. And, and that's the thing, like, like what I am going to, what I, the compliment I was going to paint for you, for you in particular is this, I don't know how big you guys are going to get, who knows, right? But mm -hmm. I, I also have gotten this feeling from both of you that you'll do this as long as it's fun for both of you. And honestly, yeah. Yeah. that's a compliment, not a, like, like, you, you know what? You may never, I may never see you in, in like the bestseller list, but you might have this group of people that love what you do all the time. That's what you want as an artist. You don't like, it doesn't yeah. matter how you like have as big a group as possible, but really right. as long as you have your group, does it really matter what it looks like? Yeah. And it's very funny because that's definitely firmly how I believe. And Alex is straight up like, no, shut up, idiot. I want millions of dollars, you know? Well, I, hey, listen, I, I, I want millions of dollars too. I'm not going to buy. But at the same time, I, I, I've, yeah. kind of, I've kind of gotten into this with, the, with this attitude. It's just like, I can't always control my results. Right? That's right. the one thing you have no yeah. control and, and of when you, the result. Yeah. So, and when you try to control the results, it go, you make yourself go crazy. Yeah. You can't do it. But what you can do, yeah. the only thing you can do, and the only honest thing you can do is, okay, Am I doing everything I know how to do correctly? If the answer right. is and, yes. And everything that I want to be able to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to, or I know how there's, there is, I, th I think, I think right. both are, I think both are valid. Yeah. Um, I think. Right. And you want to get that smaller, well, obviously, you know, that distance between the two. Yeah. But, but I mean, there is something to be said that, like about like, everything's a learning experience you're not going to know everything doing something and i can i can accept that what i what i want is am i doing my best am i doing what i want but i'm also am i doing my best mm. at what i'm doing if the answer is yes then the result is going to be the result inevitably i'm going to strike out sometimes 
but sometimes I'm going to hit home runs too. Yeah. And sometimes I'm going to hit singles, doubles, triples. Yeah. That's how it goes, right? I can't control yeah. that. But yeah, I can't control how I swing at the yeah, bat. Yeah, that's called life. Yeah. 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 That's it. Yeah, it's about, absolutely. It's about, it's about swinging so. at the it's about swinging at the pitch. Yeah, no, I'm the same. I'm the same same way. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So congratulations. We, we can we can get at the plate and we can make sure that we. So we can we can make sure we get to the plate every single as much as possible. That's right. And that's all we can do, right? That's Just make it. sure we get there. Yeah. That's it. That's the real battle. Then it which comes to the big question. So twenty years, so that you're so embarking on new journeys in this. What has been your biggest lesson doing this? My biggest lesson doing this, it's kind of a double-edged sword. So I had the very rare, I don't know if it's rare, but I had definitely a very beneficial long-form conversation with the legendary Jim Shooter at a convention many years ago. When we like, think of like the third year into Committed Comics. Mm-hmm. And he gave me a piece of advice that I still hold true to this day. And it kind of goes along the lines of what you were saying. He was like, do it at your own pace. He goes, if, if you know, don't rush because someone's telling you, you need to get it done by this point. He goes, you know, it, you can always move deadlines. You can always move things back. You, you know, like he goes, rushing is going to be the death of you. And I have definitely done some things where i have rushed into things and guess what every single one of them failed <laughs> you know um we were supposed to launch this kickstarter like three months ago mm-hmm. and i was like you know what I, no like i'm not like i said i mean i spent i i set aside two weeks to write the first issue script and i got not even a page done and i was like yeah no i can't go with this original deadline so i had to push it back and i you know and thank God I did, <laughs> because you know if I had rushed into it, and you know I would have, you know. So it's very funny that I use that as as my one of the biggest learning tools is learning not to rush into things. But then that also goes and bites me in the ass when I put on my editor's hat, right? And I'm dealing with another creative team, and I'm telling them, no, you guys have a deadline to hit. Well. It's a, it's a strange dichotomy, right? It's funny that right. Jim Shooter, of all people, told you this because his, his reputation yeah. is... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he is definitely polarizing. But yeah. you look at his... Like you said, you look at his, his home runs and they were not even in the ballpark anymore. They were stratosphere level. Oh, yeah. Um, you know? Like, like, like his Legion of Superheroes is fantastic. What he did for Marvel in the 80s is undeniable. As yeah. much as people hate him for it. Yeah, he, he, he kept that company going, you know, and people don't realize that that was not exactly super easy times, you know, in the, in the birth of the direct market and, and juggling, you know, returnable items and figuring out what does that mean, you know, and, and new, you know, distribution channels and new creative teams and new creative demands, yeah. you know, um, you know, I mean, he was one of the people who got them the Hasbro license, you know, to do G.I. Joe and to do the He-Man comics and to do, you know, like tons of stuff. I mean, it's just, you know, so, 
so it is very funny that it's like you said i got the advice from him and it's like oh well really yeah no like the for those that know the irony in that is not lost on me we'll just leave it at that yeah um but um no like there's there's a balance right like it's got to be ready when it's ready but right. like i said as a publisher this is another this is a conversation for another day there's right. a reason deadlines exist exactly right? yeah yeah right and and and, it's, and that's the balance right you got a, mm. a good a deadline is a good push but it's not necessarily the it's not the end all be all people think it is either but right. that and, is and a but but if again if you're not going to have it be the end all be all you also have to have multiple pieces in play you know and then that becomes difficult right so like and it's kind of funny because if you look at comics in the early 2000s deadlines were definitely malleable because they kept on having fill-in teams and fill-in stories constantly well yeah because the art teams weren't ready you know so but that's because they had a cachet of backup stories that they could utilize. Yeah. You know? Which is so yeah, like I said, another day, another time. The, yep. Like how yeah, that's the industry a whole... has evolved. Yeah. Because I I want to get the preview plugging your book. If we don't if yeah. we we deep talking forever otherwise. Yeah. Um but I mean the industry is definitely in an long story short, publishing has decentralized. And maybe someday mm-hmm. down the road, like maybe next year when I go to San Diego again, maybe right. I can get both you and, you and your partner in crime in the same room and talk about how you guys have rolled with how mm-hmm. diverse publishing has become. Because that's a that in itself is a huge yeah. topic. Yeah, that would, that would be a fun conversation. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, that would be fun, right? And you and because again, you guys have are using multiple streams to get to where you're getting to and. They're working for you, but at the same time, it's a balance and it's a challenge, right? So, but that's another that's another yeah. story. Talk about Sancho. You're you're, you're the, the the man. So the yeah. So so the first issue is up on Kickstarter right now. It's um, it's a standard twenty four page book. It's the story within the story is I think a ten page story, and. Uh, you know, Sancho essentially is an insane genie who thinks he knows everything and thinks he knows the best way to get stuff done. And some, for some reason or another, you'll find out why, you know, um, as the story goes on, he's attached himself to this one family and these two kids, you know, um, Kenneth and Yanni. And for some reason, you know, he decides to guide their lives. But it doesn't, you know, I mean, the question is, you know, how much guidance can a guy who thinks he's a chipmunk provide, you know? Uh, so not saying he can't provide good guidance. I'm just saying, you know, it's a challenge. Um, well, like, 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 you know, like I said earlier, someone that pretends he might be Chippendale, the rescue rangers, minus the mustache, might have some issues, but that's neither here nor issues? there. Right. You know, um, and so, yeah, so Joe Martinez is doing all the line work. Uh, I actually um, met him at Comic-Con doing portfolio reviews that I do every year. Mm -hmm. Um, He's worked with the band uh, Ninja Sex Party, 
so he's done a comic book with Ninja Sex Party that apparently sold out, and now they're in the process of doing a second print run for it. So it's been super successful for the band. Um, so that's super cool. And then uh, Raymond Lee is doing the art. He's one of the guys um, from a coloring studio in the Philippines. And he's worked with uh, Wills Portacio and uh, Brian Haberlin. And he's done, you know, colors on stone and a bunch of image books and a bunch of um, Avalon Studio books, you know, over the years. Um, so, again, I'm very fortunate that, you know, he was recommended to me. And he's he's exceptionally talented. I mean, he, the pages he's turning out are just unreal. Um, yeah, so it's just blowing my mind. And, again, it's super, I'm super happy with the art team and again i'm super happy i took the time to find the people right i found the right people and these are people who are you know sharing the same desire and and you know again raymond's been in the business for a long time you know joe's been in the business not as long but he you know he's been grinding away you know doing stuff um and so it is a it's a you know it's a team of people who love this industry and love this art form um you know, again, the, the, the lettering portion is the last piece that I need to fill. I have a couple of leads. I've got a couple of portfolios I've been looking at and that kind of stuff. Um, but again, it's it's one of those things that it's like, okay, I, I think I've pretty much narrowed it down to two or three people. I just need to reach out and find out what their schedules are like. Because again, that's the other thing is, you know, when you're a small press publisher like myself, I got to work with everybody else's schedule, you know, and that's not always easy. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. You know? Um, so, so how long is the Kickstarter going to run for? So the Kickstarter goes until um, December 27th. Okay. Um, so we launched it on December 1st, did it for 26 days, which with the time frame of December 1st, you know, since I didn't launch it at midnight, you know, it actually goes till like 10 a.m. this the 27th or something like that. Uh, um, I was talking to uh, Pops on the Madness um, live stream recently. And he said, uh, you're either incredibly stupid or incredibly brave to want a Kickstarter in December. And I said, yes, yes, I am. And I didn't say which one I was. Or there's a third possibility, which I'm going to yeah. just say here. Incredibly opportunistic. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Because, again, sometimes sometimes you go you do things when nobody expects you to. Yeah. That actually works in your favor. Sometimes, yeah, you know, sometimes, and, yeah, sometimes. I mean, again, it's you know, I didn't want to wait forever, I didn't want to rush it at the same time, right? So, I was supposed to launch this after San Diego this year. That's what that was one of the reasons why Alex, you know, and you talked about the project was because I was supposed to launch it in August, and I was like, I, I was like, I literally I only had Joe under the contract as of August, and I was like. Yeah, I don't even have the book done. I don't have the first issue script. I'm screwed in August. You know? So, you know, we, we did some rearranging with our schedule and we did Nero Dark Seas, you know, which is Bill's next miniseries for Nero. So we did the first issue of that on Kickstarter. And then, you know, then we decided to do this one. I'm literally doing the final fulfillment. Bill actually messaged me while we were talking. He's like, oh, I'm going to get you those last bit of commissions. I'm going to put them in the mail on Monday. And I'm like, that'd be great because that's like the last stuff I need to fulfill for that Kickstarter. And then I could literally not worry about that one anymore, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's nutty. I'm going to throw this, uh, 
the link in the chat because why not? I, I've already put I've already I've already I've already put it up. Oh, you already got it. Cool. Yeah. You being all smart and professional and everything. They gave me Good an job. award once upon a time, Tom. I, I, I'm either really good at what I'm doing, or I'm very, 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 very. Um, I, I stand out. We'll just leave it at that. Well, I stand out. You do, you do. But yeah, so I mean that—that's you know the Kickstarter is going. We've got um, we've got three different variant covers. So we have the first issue cover by Joe. Um, we've got a Bill Mouse variant cover because I figured why not, right? Bill's part of the family. <laughs> Uh, my friend Kevin McCoy, who's done a bunch of variant covers for uh, Mountaineers West uh, a book called War Angels, which has been very successful. Um, Kevin's also done covers for Xenoscope. Uh, Robin Hood, he did a couple of you know, Xenoscope covers. Um, and then because of the fact that the book is a little bit creepy, not quite, you know, full on creepy. It's, it's definitely, you know, still general audience. Uh, I decided to use Joe's black and white cover, black and white artwork for for one of the pieces, uh, just because of the fact it gave him like a slightly different tone, you know. And you know this with with black and white books and color books, right? Colorists can, again, like I said, they can enhance, they can change the the feel, they can you know add warmth where there wasn't originally warmth, you know, emanating. Um, yep. And again, I love Raymond's colors, but I was like, this is kind of cool, you know. It is. No, I, I'm looking at it right now. It looks like it looks like a very creepy, yeah. a, a creepy Pac-Man thing almost. Yeah, yeah. That's well, that's Sancho's head. That's yeah. Because again, he's a genie. Why not? Uh, and yeah. the funny thing is, actually, um, the genie element uh, was suggested to me by my friend and other artist um, Terry Huddleston. Uh, Terry Huddleston is a very, very brilliant artist, and he's doing some amazing things. Um, but he was pretty much because, you know, he saw my mascot. He saw the pictures of Sancho, the, the pieces I've had people do. And he's just like, what's his story? He looks like he should just be like a, you know, a Mr. Mitzelpudding, you know, from Superman. Yes. You know, and I was like, I never thought of him that way. Like, we we always, me and Alex always conceived him as pretty much just a crazy guy. Yeah. Who was going to have kind of a snarky, you know, Tales from the Crypt style mindset you know, more like Crypt Keeper. And when Terry suggested that, I was like, that opens up all these different personality traits, you know, that, that would explain certain things uh, and allow him to do more. Yeah. Well, so I was like, Fuck, that's, that's a good idea. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, no it, it, it's one of those things where some, again, good ideas from great people, but also the more you know, yeah. Uh, the more, yeah. the more you can actually do with the character too. So it'd be interesting yeah. to see what you do for issues two, three, and four. Yeah. Tales. From, so you realize now, in my head, I have a Tales from the Crypt Keeper sounding like a chipmunk. I'm not sure that's entirely. That's not entirely what you were going for there. But I. Mean, you know what? I, that that I can't say I'm upset with that. It resonated in your head right now. I can't yeah. say. That that in there rent free is not making me giggle. That's so, right, folks. There's 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 a crypt keeper. It actually, and I'm saying this, it's Theodore of the Chipmunks because Theodore would right. be the one that would be the most terrifying of the three. That's true. The, the, yeah, the one you wouldn't suspect. You know. That's right. He's you know, he's because he's he's cute and cuddly. You know, and then you go, what's behind those eyes? Why why are you always giggling in the corner? And it's like, why are you so? Oh my God, they're empty. 
that's neither here nor there. All right, folks, definitely check out his Kickstarter right now. I should say Committed Comics is Kickstarter. There's some cool variant covers going on for the next 17 yeah. days as of this, this <laughs> listening, reading, whatever the case, watching, whatever you're doing with this podcast, it'll be there and up. And uh, I'll make sure I'll talk to the boss of this so that the audio will preview a touch earlier than this because, you know, um, I, I can do that. I, I mean, my boss is a bit of a dick. I mean, you talk to him for like, a, like you know, 80 minutes or so. So, I mean, there you go. Um, but it'll be up and available throughout the month of December. Definitely check it out. It's a, it sounds like a very fun book. And like I said, this thing, Tales of the Crypt Keeper with an evil chipmunk voice, and you're there. And yeah. Besides that, Tom, yeah. thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me on. You know, I, you know, I always love just talking, talking shop, talking stuff. You know. Yeah. All right, let's do this right then. So this is Tom. Check it out. Currently, folks, also during this for this month, I am teaching a podcast course on how to do a show like this. I've done one thousand shows of this this series, but I've also produced shows for clients and companies. I can tell, give you all the details on how to do those things and do those things very well. Um, I'm going to put the link up there for that right this minute. It's on my webpage, which I'm probably going to be updating because it looks very 2015 and I'm not sure that I should have a 2015, you know, looking website in 2024-ish, but it's up right now. You can definitely well, go check out the course there if you guys want to do that. So, and now I'll do it for this episode just joshing. I will have a bunch of episodes next week. So definitely check them out. For everybody watching, everybody listening, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Stay inspired, keep shining in the dark, and I'll see you next time. Healing Hands airs every Monday on channel Healing Hands YYC, hosted by Chanel Bostic. Healing Hands is a massage therapy education show in which Chanel shows you exactly some massage techniques, how to heal, and the basics of getting started. Check it out every Monday at Healing Hands YYC. Click on the link below to subscribe. Josh. Shush!